in a general revelation sense because of God's grace and how he's created us. However, I just want to share with you that if the spirit of Christ doesn't dwell within you, then you will wrestle and be challenged more so to see these characteristics be a part of your life through your years. The fruit of the Spirit. And it's singular, even though there are nine fruits that are listed in Galatians 9, because it is a single Spirit that gives all this abundance of character. And so there's nine flavors of the Holy Spirit we're going to look at as far as him dwelling within us for these characteristics of Christ, but really only one fruit. In fact, if you were to look, boy, I, gotta, I can't go both ways. In Galatians 5.22, it says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the fruit of the Spirit, you can actually take a colon and put it after love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And then the rest of them describe that. And we're going to be talking about love today, but really it's one fruit, but it's nine different flavors. It's that, wow, I'm going to get used to this. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says this, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, there's a lot to be said about the four-letter word love especially because we're confused a lot with what this primary fruit of all the other fruits that are listed is. We normally associate love with what? Emotion and feeling. Now, the reason I was back in the Midwest this last uh, weekend, uh, well, this last week or so, was because there was another Bowman cousin wedding. There's 18 cousins nieces and nephews on my side, and so it's sort of a big deal when someone gets married back there. And there's another one getting married next month. And more often than not, for most all of them, I think a good percentage, they ask their uncle to come back and officiate at the weddings. And so there was a lot of love going on for this couple right here. This is uh, Zach Hobson and Amy Bowman. This is my brother's youngest daughter, and uh, they got married in a beautiful garden, and uh, it was a nice setting. It was done up so well, all those kind of things. This couple has been dating since middle school. See, don't you, you know, see, isn't that cool? How neat is that, right? And pretty much on the up and up, a little ups and downs to the time. But Amy and Zach are now married, and we're like, well, finally kind of thing. They both graduated from college. They still look very young to me, all right? And there was a lot of emotion and feeling going on. And whenever you go to a wedding, you think what? Oh, how great is that? And you're reminded of when you fell in love with your spouse, right? Or you had a girlfriend or a boyfriend, whatever it may be. This is the best picture, though. I don't know if it's that clear. This is them leaving, and they had sparklers, all right? My mom held a sparkler the first time since she was a kid, I think. She didn't quite know what to do with it, right? But I love the pose as they were getting ready to leave from that garden and go on their honeymoon. 
Because when we think of love, we think of emotion and feelings. But guess what? In the Bible, it's not a lot of emotions and feelings. At its core, love is not the emotion and feeling. At its core, it's two things. Love is a matter of choice. Colossians 3.14 says, Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. In other words, love is not a... um, something that happens to you. It's something that you take the initiative towards. You choose to love somebody. It's an action. In Colossians 3.14, other translations says, put on love, which binds all the other virtues kinds of things together in perfect harmony. You can choose to love somebody. And you can choose not to love somebody. Maybe you used to love somebody, but the feelings have gone away, right? The sort of the ocean of emotion is gone. The quiver in the liver is not quite there, right? The sentiment, you know, that's sort of gone. And you're like, oh, but you go, I can choose to love my spouse. And you choose to every day. But you choose to love other people too. Biblically, you step out of your comfort zone and you choose to love. Yesterday, I was flying back and had a layover in um, uh, Salt Lake City, and I was catching my plane. I thought I had plenty of time to get off one plane, get all my belongings, and uh, go. And I sat down, had a little food, and I'm eating and observing, thinking about what, how do I want, what do I want to read my Kindle or the next uh, flight or whatever. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know, these are all strangers that are walking by me. And I look into the face. Now, you might think, this is weird of you, Pastor, to do this. But I do do people watching. Do you ever do people watching? And you say to yourself, I wonder what's going on in their life. I wonder where they're going today. I wonder what issues they have going on. Or I see kids and children. And part of my mind went, to, I don't know why, because I got some good friends that are adopting two kids. Uh, that you know, it's a tremendous God thing happening in their life. And it's like, wow, they would do that this, this season in their life. And I'm thinking, what if... I had that child that was walking, and I was to adopt them. Could I love that child? All right, now these are weird thoughts. I know I'm thinking it. But you got to understand, I was prepping in my mind for today and realizing love is a choice. And it's like, well, yes, I, I adopted a girl. I had no idea of who she was at 15 months of age from China, and I love her to death including her cute little text she sent me right before I walked in here for Father's Day. I chose to love her. And so I'm sitting here watching people. Of course, then I sort of dawned on me that I didn't have my Kindle with me. Neither did I have my laptop with me. I had left it on the plane I just got off of. And so I did one of those sprints across from one concourse to another concourse. I get to the plane as they're loading. I said, my laptop and Kindle is on that plane. And I got it back. And I got on my flight to get here. But I realize there's another reason I need to work out more. (laughs) But when I'm in crowded environments like airports and you're just sort of uh, an individual, a number, a seat assignment, whatever it may be, we lose touch that our humanity. And sometimes you need to pause and realize that love is a matter of choice biblically. And we can choose to love people also at the core of what love is is love is a matter of conduct 
1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So we can be flowery with all kinds of words, but love is an action. It's conduct, us stepping towards someone in their life to love them, to love them for the first time, to love them anew. Scriptures teaching us as Christ followers that if we have Jesus, his spirit living within us, that we need to love. And on a dad's day, I think that's a pretty important exhortation for all of us, especially dads. Maybe you had a dad that wasn't there for you. Maybe you had a dad that didn't exude a lot of love or he says, you know, he didn't even know how to express it. Maybe there's wounds that come from that. Maybe you're at a busy season of parenting in your life and you're just trying to survive and you're like, how do I get through raising these kids? You need to pause and allow the spirit who dwells within you to love through you because we as human beings were made and created to function in relationship, to love one another. And love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's great when the feelings and the emotions are there and they can come. Especially you would hope so when someone gets married, right? Like I viewed this weekend, last weekend. But love is a choice and it's a matter of conduct. I want to list for you five things, biblically, that can help us on this journey to love others. The first is this, that you and I, we need to gain an ongoing experience of God's love. And that ongoing experience of God's love does not come by just sitting in church. In fact, you can sit in church your whole life and not experience God's love. You can know about God's love, but to experience God's love, you have to open up your life to receive God's love and to choose to follow him. You know, I was thinking about um, the wedding I officiated at. I'm always mindful that Jesus performed his very first miracle. Where? At a wedding, turning the water into wine. And I often say that Jesus still shows up at weddings because to take two lives to be united together at one definitely needs to be a miracle. All right, with all that we bring into our marriages. But I was thinking um, this last week, what would Jesus actually say? You saw the picture of me officiating in that garden. If he was the one standing there, what would Jesus say? Now, we can't make up words. I, I don't want us to make up words. But what passage of Scripture do you think that he might use himself in that wedding moment to speak into their life? And you know where my thoughts went? It went back to the section of Scripture we were looking at in our last series on living in the Spirit, John 14 through 16. And we sort of skimmed over the John 15 kind of section there, but I think Jesus would almost stand there in that wedding moment and quote to them the words that he spoke to his disciples out of John 15. These are a few of them. It starts out this way. And appropriate, being in a garden maybe, if I would have used it this last weekend. Jesus said, I am the vine the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that it bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. For by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And then he says this, Just as the Father has loved me, so also I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. But this is my commandment, that you love one another. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Abide in me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask of the Father in my name, that will I do that he may be glorified. This is my commandment, that you love one another. I believe if Jesus stood before you and I, maybe not in our wedding moment because that's past, or maybe it stands before somewhere, but Jesus stands before you and I today, he would just look us in the face and he would say, abide in my love. Abide in me and I in you. You can't do diddly squat. How do you like that for a term? Outside of me. You can't love outside of me. Oh, you might have some affection and general revelation and grace of God help you. But if you really want to love, you have to be grafted into me. And so here we are in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. You can't have the fruit unless you are grafted into the vine, into the true life of Christ himself. Gain an understanding of an ongoing experience of God's love first by inviting Christ into your life and then choosing to abide in him and to obey him. And as you obey him, his love will abide in you and your love then will be there for others. Because I can tell you this, you cannot love other people if you are not filled up with some sense of love that you've received yourself. If you do not feel loved, it is very hard for you to love other people. But if you have an understanding of the deep, immense love that God has for you, then you give out of that resource to others. You go to the vine and graft it. Be obedient. As you're obedient to him, you experience his love just as the father was. You know, here on Father's Day, I'm thinking, okay, what would the message Jesus give for Father's Day? He'd probably give the John 15 thing again. Because he's talking about his father. Me and the father were one. The love. So there's something mystical here. You and I are called to love. But we cannot do it outside of an intimate relationship with the one who loved us. I like what Paul says in Ephesians 3.16. He says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong and you may have the power 
to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. So true. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Christianity, a Christ-following life at its core, is a life of love. Now, what's tragically happening in our culture today is that's not the branding of Christians. Christians are seen as what? Homophobic, judgmental, racist, right? And you are a part of a culture that desperately needs to see that what Christ is, is he is love. You know, the tragic shooting in the congressional baseball practice this last week. You're once again caught by the sense of evil. Where does that come from? And this pitting of an us versus them in our culture, whoever that may be, political or otherwise. Satan's working overtime to bring division. But we as Christians need to know Christ and extend that love to others. But you and I can get caught up in the same tit-for-tat rat race and indignation. And we can be filled with hate if we do not stay grafted into the vine and understand every morning how beautiful, oh, how incredible, how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of God for us. Thank you, Jesus, on this Father's Day morning that you love me and I can choose to love others. Stay grafted in him. Stay grafted in him because left to our own human ability, we will run out of love real quick. Why? Because mostly people are unlovable, including me. 1 John 4.19 We love. Why? Because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Friends, you can't go very far in God's book here without finding exhortation after exhortation to love one another. And it's not a feeling. It's a choice. And it has to do with conduct. We get it from the Holy Spirit. So Lord Jesus, help me all over again, I pray many a times, to choose to love, especially to choose unlovable people. It starts right there. Gain an ongoing experience of God's love. Romans 5.5, God has poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, His love. His love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom He has given to us. I think of myself as a big funnel. God, I want to receive your love from me. It took me a few days, a few more days than I want to admit, to finally slow down this past week and have a walk, a country walk on the country roads I grew up with where God sort of affirmed a calling in my life. He showed me his love. I walked these country roads for many, many years, and I went back and walked the country road. But I found myself walking them for the first few nights because I'd go out and, and I was pacing, I was thinking, and yeah, this, this, I get that done before I head back to California. And I didn't have a place, a center in me of just receiving and being at ease in the presence and the love of God. Finally, I got there the last, last night. And you know how I get there when I go on my walks? 
instead of just walking and trying to pace myself, and I walk a mile that way, walk a mile back another way, I found myself zigzagging underneath the stars, back and forth across that road, singing hymns, one after another, singing some of the songs that we sing here on a Sunday morning, just enjoying the pleasure of being with my Heavenly Father and allowing His love to bully over me, fresh and anew, because I know I need the Spirit of God flowing through me to love other people and to do all God's called me to do. But I cannot get there unless I'm actually experiencing on a regular basis the love of God. So gain an experience of God's love, whether you're an outside the Christ, outside the relationship with Christ or outside church, choose to follow Christ. Let him come to live within you. And if you've been walking with him, cultivate that intimacy because you're not going to be able to love others unless the Holy Spirit's love is being poured through you in a fresh and abundant way. Got it? Number two, forgive those who have hurt you. This one's not a fun one. I'm not going to camp here long because you could camp here for a long time. Matthew 5.43 says this, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is Jesus. So Jesus gives them a new one. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight both to the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. We are called to love our enemies. People maybe who have hurt us, people who have endangered us, people who have not been there for us. We have to choose to love them, choose to forgive them because you can't love others if you're carrying bitterness and resentment around in your own life. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You having trouble loving these days? That fruit of the Spirit, not too evident, not really there on your vine, become cynical, become a little bit jaded, you're rushed, you're sort of indifferent, you want to just spend time by yourself, you really don't want to do that people traffic thing. Check your heart. Their intimacy with God, experiencing His love. Check your heart. Is there unforgiveness that you're wrestling with? And best simple definition I have for forgiveness is releasing someone of the burden that they owe you. It doesn't mean you condone the actions, the wrongful actions they did towards you. It doesn't mean you have to forget it because it's hard to forget. As distance goes by, sometimes you start to forget, but you can grab it and you can pull it right back in. I heard a great analogy from my brother. I enjoy spending time with him. He said, you know, I heard something the other day. It says life sometimes is you have all this baggage and you start to load the baggage up. And what you need to do is you put it on a conveyor like you do at an airport, right? And you put it on that conveyor and you let it go around and you say, bye-bye. I'm letting go of that. I'm forgiving that person. I'm walking away from that junk, that addictive behavior. Whatever your junk is that you've put in that big satchel and you put it on that conveyor belt, it goes. But guess what happened? It goes around. And it comes back around. And just like when you're looking for your bags in an airport, you go, I got my name on it. Oh, I got my name. And you know what you end up doing? You end up picking up that same baggage you put on the conveyor and let go of to God. And there you are with your same junk. What you have to do is just leave it on the conveyor and eventually it goes away. Do you have baggage that you need to let go of? 
so you can choose to love people as Christ called you to love. Put it on the conveyor and let it go. Don't pick it back up. Forgive those who have hurt you. You know, it's interesting when we read through Scripture. This Colossians 3 verse is just typical of many. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Whatever grievances you may have against each other, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Does that apply to marriage? Sure. Does that apply to one-on-one relationships, uh, maybe uh, friends or somebody at the workplace? Sure. But you know what Scripture is doing over and over again? It's giving instructions to small pockets of communities that are spread throughout the Mediterranean area. Communities like this. Because it's in the church community that we have to practice the loving of God, yes, but the loving of one another and the forgiving of one another. Somebody offends us, something hurts us, we get up, we just walk away, forget it, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be around. Charlie Brown was having a serious talk with Linus one day, and Linus said that he liked this girl, and this girl... uh, he saw show up at Sunday school every week and he said, I would look over her and I'd smile to her and I'd just stare at her during Sunday school. And then she'd every now and look at me and sort of give a little smile. And now she's chosen to go to another church. Charlie Brown says, well, that will change your theology in a hurry. <laughs> well, I'm not saying anything about comings and going to churches, but what I want to say is that This case study, this uh, culture that you're a part of called the church, and we'll say the Awakening Church, has its challenges, as does every church, because the beauty of it is a community that's loving God and loving one another, but sometimes people are hard to love. And so these exhortations in Scripture are given directly that you need to be able to forgive You need to be able to take conduct onto yourself that's loving in action, whatever it may be. That's why like Matthew 18, if anybody ever sins against you, don't do an end run and go talk to somebody else about it. You go talk to them one-on-one about it. If that doesn't work out, if they sin against you, you bring somebody else and try to have a third person. If that doesn't work, bring somebody in spiritually. All the instruction in Scripture to, to keep the beauty of the love that's in the community of Christ. And forgiveness is at the forefront of keeping that. Number three is this. Think of others as Jesus sees them. As I'm looking at people in the airport, that's one of the questions I ask. I wonder what Jesus thinks of them. Wow, Jesus created them. Wow, Jesus created all kinds of people. Whether it's ethnicities, uh, dressing styles, whatever, I'm like, wow, Jesus created them. How would Jesus look at them? So I have to choose to look at people as Jesus would look at them and to think. Because love begins with sort of changing sometimes the thinking of where we're at. Philippians 2, 1 says this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? I hope so then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one what? Mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take the interest in of others too. 
you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is why you need the Spirit of Christ in you because hard to have the attitude Jesus has unless you're filled with the Spirit, unless the Spirit is pouring out His love into your hearts to other people. If I'm going to love others, I need to start thinking of them as God thinks of them. Think of your enemy right now. Do you have one? Think of the person you're really bothered by with. Think of the person that's in your way for something. Think of a neighbor, a coworker, a family member. You got somebody in your mind? One of the most troubling, difficult people to love. What are you focused on when you think about them? The bad stuff. Or how they're falling short. You think in terms of maybe how they wronged you. Or how you're just so not like them. Well, change your thinking. And it begins with seeing them how Jesus would see them. This is a true statement. First time I ever heard of it, I think it was from Rick Warren, who some of these thoughts are centered in uh, things that I've come across with him in years. But he says you cannot think your way into an action, but you can act your way into thinking, or you change it with the feeling. You cannot feel your way into an action, but you can act your way into a feeling. You step forward and sort of uh, take on the initiative of loving somebody by coming in the back door of changing how you think about them. Trust me, over and over again, I had to practice this in my life. I'm far from perfect. My mind wants to go to things that aren't the best thinking about someone. And I have to choose. I don't need to think about that. I don't need to pick that baggage back up on the conveyor belt. I need to let it go. I need to think of them as Jesus would think of them. And he loves them. He created them. He died for them. And I need to choose with my mind to think more appropriately and not be selfish. Because when you start to think about how they wronged you or how they've fallen short, you are being selfish in that moment. You're saying, this is how that person has affected my life. Well, Embrace Christ and choose to think about them as Christ would think about them. Your attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus. This ties into number four. Act in a loving way by exercising your faith. You choose then to start acting towards them. You've uh, changed your thoughts and then thoughts can start to maybe change perspective But then you have, by faith, start acting towards them in a way that would be honoring and good to them. Luke 6, 27, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, we're familiar with that. But isn't that hard to put into practice? You know, Facebook, social media, Twitter, whatever. There's a good cause, a legitimate thing out there. And people are saying, we need to be compassionate or we need to be more caring of these people. It's easy to have words. It's easy to post something. It's a whole nother step to take the action and do it. Yes, homeless need to be cared for. But have we cared for them in our life? 
We are to love our enemies. That's a great one. But have we actively done a step of loving someone else? Some of the highlights there, you love your enemies. You do good to them. That's an action step, some type of act of kindness. You bless them. Bless them has to do with your words. You're speaking over them a blessing. And that ties into the whole prayer aspect. Do you pray for them? Do I pray for my enemies? You know, Winston Churchill, um, there was a lady that was the first woman in the uh, Britain House of Commons. Her name was Lady Astor. And they did not get along very well. And Lady Astor one time walks up to Winston and says, Winston, if you were my husband, I would poison your coffee. <laughs> to which Winston looks back at her and says, Madam, if you were my wife, I would drink it. <laughs> that adversarial kind of relationship, right? That's not a blessing. All right. That's not giving a blessing. But you can bless someone. With your words, you can bless them with your actions. Even in hiddenness, you can pray for them. Even if you've never talked to them for years, you can pray for them. All right? Love is an act, and you act your way into a feeling. You will never feel your way into an action. You got me with that? Like, I could, I could have us do an experiment right now, but it will be a little awkward. It's like I could have you all start to try to laugh. Some of you aren't very happy, I can see. No, you're like, like, if you just start laughing, go do it in the privacy of your backyard this week or something. Just laugh and keep laughing and see what happens. In one sense, it starts to change some of the adrenaline, the emotions, right? Act your way into feelings. You can never feel your way into an action. But with the love, that emotion feeling where it's like, oh, I fell out of love with them. What do you mean? Well, I fell in love with them here. It was like, what, is this uncontrollable? Do these things, you just got tripped up and you fell in love or something? Love, if we're defining it as the emotions, that's where we go with it. But when we define it as the actions and the steps, it recalculates everything else. Love at its core is a choice. Love at its core has to do with conduct. That conduct has to do with how we think about somebody. It has to do with how we act towards them. And you can choose to love someone. As I was sitting in that airport, my mind was flashing back to my daughter Grace, who we adopted from China at the age of 15, uh, 15 months. I was thinking, I never saw her before. I would see these little kids, and I was thinking about my friends who were adopting two kids into their home, and I was thinking how cool that is and everything, but I'm like, wow, would I be able to adopt people again? I'm like, I love my little girl. But I love my little girl because I chose to early on and I practice it week in and week out. That feeling is there because of the thinking and the actions and the Christ in me. So if we are to be filled with the Spirit, if we are to have the fruit of the Spirit that is love, then we take on the initiatives that these points are listening. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. This is the big one. I used it at the wedding again this last weekend, right? You use it at about every wedding. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4. We'll read it together, in fact. How's that? Ready? Here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love 
at its core is a choice. It has to do with conduct. That's all highlighted because I couldn't pick out the ones that shouldn't be highlighted. The whole verse. Great one to have memorized. John 3.16, For God so loved us that he gave. He gave. He gave his son. If you want to love someone, start giving to them. Give and give. Give of a kind effort. Give of a kind prayer. It will endear yourself to them. The last one is this. Expect the best of others. Goes back to the video we saw. You got this. You got this. If you have some people in your life that you've not championed and cheered on recently, has the love faded? You're thinking, well, they don't really deserve it. I wish they were more honorable. I wish they themselves were more loving. I wish they weren't as sinful. You're thinking these thoughts. But maybe they need to hear words of affirmation from you. Your kids do, dads. Do they sit and they hear you say, you got this? You can make that honorable. You can choose not to be angry at that bully. You can choose to step up to that plate and give it your best try even if you don't get an Audi out you got this. We need to expect the best in others. Trust me, there's enough other people that are expecting the worst. But if you're going to choose to love someone, whether it's in the privacy of your marriage, your family, in your workplace, in a church community, expect the best of one another. you got this. My dad was a believer in me from the get-go. And on this Father's Day, I remember my dad, I drove past the cemetery was buried in just two days ago on the way to the airport. I guess it was yesterday. And I looked over where I know he's buried because he's buried close to the road on the highway that goes through our local town. And I said, thanks, Dad. I'm going to miss you on Father's Day. But when I see my father again in heaven, the embrace that we're going to have is going to be a deep and rich embrace. You know, some people always cheering me on from heaven. I don't necessarily know if I believe that or not, you know, how the eternal realm works. But I know that we'll know one another when we step on the other side. And my father, when he puts his arms around me, and he didn't do that too much because he wasn't a touchy-feely kind of guy, he's going to say, you did great. I know that I am today who I am in a large part because my parents expected great things and they cheered me on and they let me know that I could take it on. I grieve when I find people don't have those kinds of parents in their life because you miss out. And maybe you're one of those today. But may it end right there in your generation. And may you be someone that believes and expects highly in the lives of others. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, if you love someone, you will always believe in him. Always expect the best of him. So there's five simple steps for us biblically to love one another. On this Father's Day, at the beginning of this series on the fruit of the Spirit, may we choose to love. And may our conduct express the heart of God's love one to another. Do you have somebody you need to pray about this morning?
grab that person in your mind. Let me close in prayer. Lord, we ask that we would be a community of people who love. 